Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dead Jester Productions podcast, episode 107. Thank you for being here. I'm your host, Joshua J. Moskers, joined, as always, by my co-host, Kyler Fate. Thank you for being here. Hello. Hello, hello. Special guests this week, we got the Pop Historian. Happy to have you here. Hi, right, thank you for having me. Appreciate it, appreciate it. So, before we dive into all sorts of different questions and stuff, why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself so they can hear it straight from you as opposed to me? Uh, so a little bit about myself is uh, joined the military right after high school, was in that for about six years, um, got out, went back to school for history. Uh, so it's something I've been fascinated by, uh, decided to go back to the commercial realm after getting my degree uh, in IT, which is something I had been doing in the military, got about 10 years experience in that. And right now I'm creating a YouTube channel called The Pop Historian. Um, that's just about whatever kind of interesting historical phenomena that I can find of. Uh, right now, I only have three episodes coming out with a fourth uh, this week. Um, and I just kind of uh, have a little bit of fun with it. Um, don't, uh, you know, take it a little bit seriously. Try to make sure that everything's as accurate as possible. Um, it's always been a bit of a hobby of mine. Nice. Awesome. Well, we're happy to have you here. We're happy to dive into everything here. Uh, I guess first things first, like how did you get into history? I guess would be the first thing. Like what, what drove you to that? Ever since I was a little kid, I absolutely loved history. Um, a couple things that I've noticed along the way was, uh, especially with like video games you might have, Mm -hmm. um, it was something that I had always, when I was younger, kind of, I would go back and read the kind of details about the different, uh, you know, characters or whatever, um, total war was a big one or age of empires Mm -hmm. was another uh that kind of got started on what actually was pretty interesting was i was reading a paper about two weeks ago that was just about how those kinds of video games and specifically the total war games got people into history um but you know i was also uh homeschooled for a while as a kid so we kind of did however or whatever the kid wanted to learn the most was what was emphasized so you know we would learn about the roman empire we'd learn about the middle ages um, we build like a paper buildings of, you know, Roman mm-hmm. fort or whatever. Nice. Yeah. I, I think for, I don't know about you, Kyle. I know like with a lot of people, like in my group of my, like a uh, circle of friends and, and people I know, one of the things that got us in history sort of generally was like the whatever entertainment we were consuming, whether it be movies. Like I like I got really into like uh like Greek history, Greek mythology in particular, more so than than the history of it. But like playing like Call of Duty games, I was like, oh man, World War II is kind of cool. Dive into this a bit. You know, stuff like that. Kyle, I don't know if you had that experience, Kyle, especially like World War II stuff. That was pr- like any time in history that we didn't talk about World War II, I honestly did not fucking pay attention. <laughs> nothing else even remotely intrigued me unless it was well, world war one and world war two and a little bit of the vietnam war that's about it yeah we didn't i don't know what it was like for you guys in school but like with the i feel like we focused mainly on like the founding of the country of the u.s as a country then we skipped basically right to world war two like we didn't really talk about world war one hardly at all barely touched on the vietnam war like the cold war in general like korea um and then we skipped to like modern day and that's like basically what we learned in school like we missed out on a ton of stuff and it was all like u.s related 
we didn't have the option for like world histories. Yeah. And I was actually, I was homeschooled only up until sixth grade. And then I started going to okay. uh, a private school yeah. and that's what it was. I don't think I've ever gotten past something like the civil war. We did a little bit on world war two every now and then well, we did do the civil war. Yeah. That's yeah. True. And we'd always kind of hit that same point in time. And it was always very generalized. And I remember uh, a lot of people were just, just not interested in it. A lot of it's boring. A lot of it's, you got to learn 50 or 60 different dates and names. <laughs> and if you don't know this, you're going to fail the test. And I just don't think that's what, well, that isn't what history is uh, when you start to mm. look at it a little bit deeper. And I think that's what I'm trying to do through my channel is make it something interesting, make it something so that way people who, you know, don't really have a history background or maybe they weren't interested in school can still kind of learn about that and uh, at the very least be entertained by some of the wacky and zany things that have happened throughout history. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I said, like going back to like World War II in particular, like getting interested in that through like Call of Duty, like part of it was it's like, oh, this gun's pretty cool. Like the MP40, for example. It's like, oh, it's pretty neat. And I like look into it and I'm like, oh, this is how it actually works. Like I, I based on like what I'm, I'm reading and I'd see like videos of it. And I'm like, like, oh, this is cool. Like I wonder why this like works better than other stuff. And you kind of like get a bigger picture. You just, it kind of uh, expands as you do that. It's like, how, why does this compare to these weapons? Like French weapons, for example, you know, it's like, why did, how are these different? And then it's like, you get into why Germans manufactured things in one way, as opposed to like the French or the, the American armies. And it like you get a bigger picture of like the the background of what's going on in those countries as well. Like you expand upon moving past just like learning about like a weapon used in the war to the actual like economics of the countries that are developing the the technology for combat and you know everything is like socially what's going on and everything like that. Which is kind of an I don't know. That's kind of how I I do that with like a lot of things. I think where it's like I start out as like a very small point of uh, information and I just expand upon it goes in a bunch of different ways yeah i definitely think that that's the way that most people kind of get into history or any sort mm -hmm. of uh i guess you could say any sort of operation that they are really fascinated by but i, I think yeah. you see that a lot with history because there's so much that you can kind of go into there's so many mm -hmm. different times i mean literally all all of humanity <laughs> pick something yeah. you like i mean and then there you have somebody who's gone down the rabbit hole deep enough to hold your interest and grasp your interest in a way. Speaking of down the rabbit, have you ever seen that channel where they do the, it's, it's literally called like down yeah. the rabbit hole videos. Is it, I, Is there, I was watching another guy. I can't remember his name. I want to say it was like tactical pipes or something. And he did a, um, internet history rabbit hole where, or internet mystery rabbit hole. And it's like four hours long. No, I think it was closer to two. And it was just these different, like, bizarre things that have happened through the internet. And you get yeah, like, a fair amount of, uh, it's it's more of an introductory thing, kind of like down the rabbit hole. But yeah. it's it's a pretty yeah, interesting so, channel to check out. This one is Frederick Knudsen. I don't know how to pronounce it. But he is like, the Battle of May Island is his most, these are, I guess he hasn't made any in a while. The most recent one is from seven months ago. But it's like, they're all over the place in terms of lengths from like an hour to two hours. Some are like 30 minutes. This one's 25 minutes, eight minutes. But yeah, like a lot of them are like weird, like, uh, it's like final fantasy. Then there's like furries. 
It's like just all over the place. The hurdy gurdy. I don't know how he got on that topic. I'm sure he <laughs> looked into something and got on that. But like stuff like that, where like I, that's how I feel like when I'm I'm learning, I'm researching uh, any topic that I'm suddenly getting interested in. Where it's like, oh, all right, let me check out YouTube videos. Next thing I know, it's like eight hours later. I'm like, I've learned way too much about this as well as other completely irrelevant things that just popped up in recommended feeds. <laughs> yeah, and that's actually kind of what I'm hoping to do is take that research that's less from uh, just watching YouTube videos. Oh, I love YouTube yeah. videos. <laughs> um, but from like the actual historical records or the written works by different historians or archaeologists or even speaking directly with historians. I just interviewed because um, I'm doing a piece on writing right now, I interviewed the lead librarian for the University of Michigan um, papyrus uh, section where they have like the biggest collection of papyrus in North America. And I just asked him a bunch of different questions like, why do we see papyrus in Egypt? Like, why were people writing? What what was this? Why was this happening? And it was it's just kind of uh, interesting, the answers that are provided. So I take that kind of stuff and I try to wrap it all into about 10 minutes. Nice. Yeah, I know you, you, I saw you did a video on Space Force was one of the ones I had I pulled up here. Is I get, let me ask you, what's your take on the Space Force in general? I guess I'll ask that first. So, and I'm this isn't political. I try to remain apolitical in any sort of yeah. online thing. I've been a big supporter of the Space Force since its inception. Um, mm -hmm. I don't agree with the way that it was brought in. I mean, it was a offhand comment addressing Marines. But yeah. the fact of the matter is it's bringing billions and billions of dollars into space research from the federal government. NASA has never gotten the support that it really needs to um, mm -hmm. be like a world-changing event in the same way that the military has. With the exception of like moon landing, Challenger mission, there are a couple points yeah. here and there, but it's like every 20 years and everybody forgets about NASA. The biggest yeah. benefit of including the Space Force is that A, you're going to get money directed specifically to space missions. B, you're going to get a lot of uh, space missions put under the same roof because when you were in the Air Force, yes, you did have the Space Command, but it was still, they were still dealing with the air aspect of it primarily. And you're also going to get regular people getting involved. When you think of NASA, you think about a bunch of eggheads, you think about super specialized positions. Mm -hmm. I can say as a person that was in the Air Force, I was an IT guy, you know, yeah. but now that I, that I had been in for six years, there's a uh, connection. I received, you know, payment to go to school. Um, I have training that I'm specialized in. I don't have a degree in IT, but I've been doing it for 10 years. Mm -hmm. So if you take the Space Force and you start to push people into these specific uh, roles that were existing in space, and, and, and this isn't new landing on the moon stuff. This is like we have uh, all these different satellites and GPS systems. Uh, yeah. When you take these people, give them specialized training on things that would be either impossible or extremely expensive to do otherwise, when you give them the money to pursue that professionally, uh, then you're going to see, I think, 10 or 15 years down the road, a massive number of people involved in um, space operations in the civilian sector who got their experience from the Space Force.
Yeah. It, it is interesting. Like I, I know when it first started becoming a thing, people were like, this is such a joke. You know what I mean? I mean, they even have the, what is it? Netflix, maybe producing it. Space Force, like the, the show with Steve Carell and everything. Yeah. They're coming out with their second season. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think a lot of people still view it as, as kind of a joke, which is unfortunate. Cause like, like you were saying too, like, uh, but NASA, it's like, they don't get, I guess the respect that they deserve maybe, um, in the sense it's like, yeah, you know, we, sh- why would we not want to explore and like learn more about like the resources available to us? Yeah. Um, and I, I'd say that would definitely be the thing is that it's, uh, people have been, I mean, the idea of the space force of an independent space force is more than a 20 year old idea. Um, yeah, I was doing some research and actually referenced this in the video, Donald Rumsfeld prior to the nine 11 attacks was like, Hey, we need to have a space force. Like this is getting too serious. If we're not doing this now, then we're going to be behind in like 20 years. And here we are 20 years later (laughs) with, um, other countries having an independent space force. And you, I think it was about a year or two prior to the initial comments that, uh, Donald Trump made there were already people trying to get a space force working. Um, Mm. But it was just that the fact that, uh, you know, an unpopular president at the time made an offhand comment at, you know, a situation. uh, It wasn't, I don't even know if it was a major event. I think he was just addressing troops that. uh, I don't recall. I think, I think that's what it was. He was just addressing Marines at uh, Myanmar. Uh, It's a naval base over in um, Mm. California, if memory serves correct. And everybody just kind of blew up and said, a space force, we're going to, you know, put guys on the moon when that's not the reality of the situation at all. Yeah. But that's enough of my rant about that. (laughs) I was going to say, too, I feel like a lot of people view it. It's like, oh, they're just going to be having like laser fights in space. Like, that's what they think is going to happen. Not literally, but like, I think they're like, oh, they're going to make a space force in the event that we have like Star Wars battles in space. Yeah. And it's like, that's that's not. That's not what's going on here. And the reality of the situation is that when when people talk about, like, say, like space assets in the military, mm. or if you look at, say, Google Maps, you don't think that they, how do you think that they got that? It was satellites. It was yeah. people repossessioning things um, in space. And that's kind of what we're talking about when it's it's kind of space warfare. There is some yeah, lasers, too, to but I don't, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's above my level of understanding some of the things they do, so I can't really comment. I don't try to Circling, understand it. Don't worry. <laughs> Circling sort of back, like I don't know if you like heard about like people talking about like with the one of the latest like sort of uh, I don't, it's not woke, but, like one of the latest like things people talk about is like how America lost the space race. Do you subscribe to that idea at all? Actually, that's very I'm interesting. Curious. You bring that up because I've been working on a piece about the space race and about the Nazis. Okay. Um, use or the use of Nazis in the space race. Mm -hmm. I interviewed one guy. He's a, one of the leading English speaking experts of the Soviet space program, um, Asif Siddiqui. And he's written several books about it. I I don't remember the books, but I actually asked him that specific question who run the space race. And the guy just laughs (laughs) and he goes, it depends if you're uh, Russian, then you say the Soviets won. Because the Soviets mm-hmm. were the first ones to get into space. And if you're American, you say the Americans won because Americans were first to the moon. If Yeah, a lot of people feel like they just kept moving the goalposts back. Because like I said, like the first satellite in space was Russia. First animal in space was Russia. First man, first woman, first spacewalk, first space station. 
But then U.S. had like the first man on the moon and people were like, yep, there's the goalpost. Now we did it. We won overall. Well, you know what I mean? I wonder if the quest to get on the moon might have always kind of been one of humanity's goalposts. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. Because if you think about it, uh, that was the biggest thing in the sky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you weren't going anywhere else. You might be going to the sun, but nobody I was hope not. Nobody was Seems thinking like about trip. that seriously. Um, <laughs> but I also have to wonder, uh, you see that that was the end of the space race getting to the moon. Mm-hmm. That was the be all end yeah. all. So, so is it moving the goalposts or is it that was the goal? And I don't know. I, I listened to the guy who's smarter than me and said, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> yeah. Which makes sense. Nobody wants to admit they lost like ever, you know, it's just, it's like, yeah, they had a lot of accomplishments. I know sometimes two people argue that point and that it's like, yeah, they put the first satellite in space, but then the U S put the first satellite in space that was much better quality you know what i mean it's like it's like you can be the first to do something but if you don't do it as efficiently and uh where am i going with this if you don't if you're not the best at it if it doesn't succeed in last time yeah it's like yeah i I could be the first guy in my neighborhood to build a helicopter but it doesn't mean i'm the best at it you know what i mean (laughs) it's like yeah it's my car but it has like a couple of propellers strapped to the ceiling does that count yeah i don't know but yeah, so you you were in the history. You joined the military at eighteen. You said right at, right out of high school, right? What made you? What 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 kind of led to that? Um, got you into it that? was my senior year of high school, and my mom said, "If you are not going to sign up for colleges, then you need to do something. And if that's either joining the military or getting a job, you need to do that." <laughs> and I didn't want to work, and I didn't want to go to school, <laughs> so I joined the military. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Did you, uh, do you guys have like the people come to your school, the recruiters no. standing outside? Oh my God. No? I rem- so I went to a, I went to a private school, um, through mm-hmm. middle school and, uh, high school. We had, it was a pretty small school and they actually just shut down. Um, I want to say two, three years ago because of low enrollment. Mm-hmm. And there were maybe 200 people in the school when I, by the time I graduated going 200 students total. And we were in a town of a hundred thousand. This was up in the Northeast. This was around Boston area. Yeah. Um, and I remember back in like the sixties, I had like 1500 students. So I was the, I was, I think one of two people in my graduating class who were joining the military and my guidance counselor tried to talk me out of it so hard. (laughs) <laughs> we had like half hour long sessions where he would just kind of be like, you know, there's so many other options available to you. You're such a smart kid. You don't need to join the military. So yeah, it, interestingly, no. <laughs> yeah, it was, we had, I don't know if it was more than once a, once a year, but I know like we right outside the cafeteria at our school, they'd have uh, like a booth set up or might've been two. I don't, I don't remember exactly how they did it, but I know like they had the, they had like the army come in, they had the army recruiters, they had like Navy, Air Force, and uh, yeah, they set up, like I said, at least once a year, each one of them would, would come in and, and set up. Um, but I was just like, eh, that's, that's not going to be a good idea for me. You know, I think it's... Um, Do they have that at your school, Kyle? No, not at all. In- interesting. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know why they'd come to our school then if nobody else did it. Well, I, I don't know how common that is. I know it's kind of common um 
I would, I wouldn't not going to say how much, but I know that yeah. definitely, uh, that's one of the big recruiting methods is that they will send the actual recruiters to the school to kind of see who's interested. Cause you can sign up at 16 or 17 years old. You're just not yeah. going to ship out until you're 18. Yeah. Side, side note, feel free to not answer this since you're part of the military. What are your thoughts on like the way that like the army in particular recruits in like some of the ways they recruit now? And I can give examples. Yeah. Uh, a couple examples. One of, the, one of the ways they were doing it was on, it was on uh, Twitch. They were doing like controller giveaways to, to their viewers. And when you signed up for the controller giveaway, you had to register for the military. Uh, I would have to take a look deeper into that. Okay. But I think that if you're <laughs> if you're going to sign up for the military because somebody gave you a controller, I think you were already going to sign up for the military. <laughs> yeah, well, they were doing uh, fake prize giveaways, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know how that would be kind of legal. And it, the other thing is that even if they you got sign shut up, down pretty quickly, apparently, you know, I wonder if that was either an independent recruiter. Um, who is trying to get recruitment up or if it was like, I don't know. I don't know. Then I can't speak to that. Yeah. They, um, they were, they, they were told they could win an Xbox elite series two controller and a giveaway. When you click it on the link, they were directed to a recruiting form with no additional mention of the contest, the odds, total number of winners or when the drawing would occur. Yeah. That doesn't sound legitimate at yeah. all. And the reality of the situation, at least as far as I'm concerned, you can sign a form, but you'd still have to report to your MEPS, and that's the military uh, processing center. And that can be several hour drive away. And if you don't show up, they just don't take you. (laughs) Okay. I I don't know how it works at all. I'll be honest. Oh. yeah. Let me give you a rundown then. So what you do or what I did, I'm going to say what I did. Um, and I think this is pretty standard is you would contact a recruiter, your recruiters, mm-hmm. whoever's closest to you. Sometimes that's at a military base. Um, but typically if you're in the United States, you would go to whatever one's in your town or the closest one to your town. Um, okay. If you're in a larger town or city, you might have multiple recruiters. And then you'd go for that specific branch. Hmm. Um, if you're outside the U.S., um, because you can join the military if you're not a U.S. citizen, it's a different process, and I can't speak to that. But you'd go talk to the recruiter. He'd run you through it. He'd kind of give you a few jobs that you might be interested in, run you through some basic kind of uh, questions. Um, and then when you kind of pass all the basic questionnaire pieces and these are these are basic things like do you you know have you experienced any health issues and they'll list off all the health issues and have you done this have you done that um are you on you know are you in jail (laughs) are you on bail or is it i think a big one that they'll ask and this changes depending upon time period and whatnot Mm -hmm. once you get through that round you go to the military entrance processing center that is a great big building and you go in there it's it's a federal building uh you go in there maybe two or three times you'll do some additional testing to kind of see what jobs you're available for once that happens uh you'll hear back from your recruiter depending upon your results um Mm -hmm. and then if you score too low they won't take you 
interesting. Once you're finished with the MEPS process, which can take, you know, two, three weeks, then you are slotted into a position. They say, okay, we're going to have, these are the needs of the air, or I was in the Air Force, so these are the needs of the Air Force. We, you know, I went in IT, cyber systems. They said, okay, we need more cyber systems people. You have cyber systems on your sheet of things you want to do. We're going to put you in this. And then they'll say, you're shipping out anywhere from, you know, whenever the the need kind of is. For me, it was a six-month period. I had six months that I had to wait. You can set it up. If you go in uh, open general, meaning that you will take any job available, you can ship out like within a week. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it kind of depends upon what job you take, where you're at, um, and then the, the time period that you're signing up. I mean, if you were signing up, Back in, say, 2002, the, the rules are a little bit different because we mm-hmm. had just kind of entered a war. Um, nowadays, I think it's a lot more stringent. Interesting. Yeah. Um, from there, mm-hmm. you'd ship out, you go to basic training, do basic training for Air Force, it's eight weeks. Other branches, it's different. And then you do your, what they call the A school or the tech school, which is an additional like three months to a year and a half, depending on your job again. If you're a linguist and you have to learn another language, then it's going to be a year and a half to two and a half years. For me, it was five months. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I don't know. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't, I didn't, like I said, I didn't know any of the process behind it really. It was not something I really investigated at all because I, I knew for sure it was not going to be a path I pursued. Yeah. Not, it would not have been a good fit. <laughs> yeah. And it's not for a lot of people. And uh, there have been, I've had people ask me, especially when I was in college right after, you know, do you think I should join the military? And I kind of had to be real with a couple of people. And I was like, no, I don't, I think this is a really bad idea. And these are the reasons why I think it's a bad <laughs> idea. And I was very honest with them, both about it's, themselves and kind of military as large. Best way to go about it though. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle, do you ever have, the, the thought of joining the military? Uh, yeah, back when it was more like when I first got into high school. Well, I should say it's seventh, eighth grade, probably. And then mm-hmm. the more I got into sports, the more my ideals of where I was going in life changed heavily. I wanted to, but I'm like, yeah, I do not have the willpower. <laughs> I came to terms with that. Yeah. You didn't have any, like, uh, with people around you, no one was like, hey, you should, you should, we'll sign up together, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you should, I should tell you what fucking Luke told me three days ago. Luke. Oh, will be great. <laughs> Luke, uh, for the, for the record, Luke is a, a friend of ours, more of a friend of Kyle's, he, I, more of an associate of mine. Let me explain it a little uh, bit better. He, um, good friend of ours, appeared on the show a couple times. Yeah. He had no idea what he was doing with his fucking life for five years. He went to school in South. Are you saying he has it figured out now? He has. He actually <laughs> has figured his fucking life out. He went to South Dakota for school. Was out there for fucking a year, and he dropped out in the first semester. He had one class for a whole semester because he canceled all all the other ones because he was dropping out, and he didn't even go to that class. So he was on vacation for a fucking year out there. What a place to go on vacation! <laughs> he loved South it. Dakota. He actually he like he loved it. Interesting. And Fair then enough. he went to school, like an online school. He dropped out of that. And then just out of the blue, fucker joins the military. <laughs> Goes on a fucking tour for a year. 
comes back, and this is all part of a plan to become a fucking cop. Now he's a cop. <laughs> he's a state trooper. And he finally has a place to stay. He has a job, and he now has a girlfriend. This dude actually has his life together. At one point, he was passing out in South Dakota like every day from alcohol. <laughs> he's been a, what, how long has he been in the state? Like seven, eight months? It's less than a year, yeah. Oh. He, yeah I forget like, how long the training doing? was. The training was in the middle of the pandemic because yeah. somebody had gotten COVID, so they had to take a month oh. off. I remember he got sent home. He was like, yeah, I'm just sitting here waiting. <laughs> I yeah. the academy was the hardest part. I think he said he's he was explaining how tough it actually is compared to what people mm-hmm. think. I'm like, you can go through it, but people won't believe you because if you don't experience it, then they're just gonna make up bullshit lies. So fair enough, man. Yeah. I f- I feel like that's how it could be with uh, any sort of. Uh... Uh, tra- like, I guess training with, to do with like law enforcement or military stuff like that. Like unless you experience it, you don't, you don't really have an idea of how it works. Maybe again, I don't know. Yeah, I haven't done either, so I'm not one to speak on this. I've kind of found that the the more laid back people who don't really talk mm-hmm. about it are the ones that have been through it. Mm-hmm. Um, the more that somebody, the louder somebody is, the less reliable their information is. Uh, I found the big thing and I'm just speaking from the military because that's what I know, is that you can get into these more specialized roles. You can get into um, the kind of cooler stuff. But it's, again, it's all training. (laughs) It's just more and more training. And they kick people out left and right uh, when when they're trying to get into those because they're looking for something special or looking for something unique. Um, And general military population... The thing, the great and the horrible thing about it is that anybody can join the military. The military is quite literally made up of people from all over the world, every walk of life, uh, predominantly United States. But when you think of the United States or if you think of a you know, soldier or sailor, you might have a specific yeah. idea of a person in your mind and you just need to wipe that away because yeah. you'll, you'll get people from all over the United States and territories of the United States and you'll meet the coolest, best, smartest people. And then you'll meet some like real massive idiots <laughs> who have, <laughs> who have no business being, you, you just look at some of these people and you're like, I don't know how, how you made it this far in mm. life, you know, <laughs> because the military is legitimately made up of everybody. Yeah. Not, not to the same extent. I feel like that, ha- like, I experienced some like you're saying like with, with people who you don't know how they made it that far in life. I feel like that you can do that in any profession too. Not like I said, not to the same extent, but like even like where I work, it's like you didn't you didn't know what kind of gas to put in your car. Like you're you're forty some years old. Like how how has your car not exploded yet? Like what do you do? <laughs> like like that sort of thing? Like just I don't know. Yeah, I was gonna. I think the main difference though is that when it comes to can the corporate world if somebody doesn't mm-hmm. do the job or doesn't know how to do the job then you yeah. get rid of them and you can't do that mm-hmm. in the military we had this one dude i will never forget this guy i'm not gonna say his name because you know that's rude 
Yeah. But he was in for four or for eight years at this point. I had been in for four. I had just gotten sergeant. Okay. He was, he had main sergeant, which, and he was kind of, he was hitting his, his point where in the Air Force, if you don't meet rank within a certain period of time, they'll kick you out. Hmm. Um, and that time is up to change. But for his case, he had to make sergeant eight years in, or they were going to kick him out. And, and it was writing on it. And he to, had been, not to, I don't mean to interrupt too much. The reason for like meeting rank is just to, they want people to keep wanting to improve and do better. Yeah. Just kind of give them a driving force. Yeah. yeah. It's constant, constant improvement, constant promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get to the highest ranks within 20 years. There are people who meet it, you know, a couple years sooner. Um, but there are people who also kind of meet minimum rank within 20 years. And I'm not bashing either one of those people. Um, different folks kind of go into the military and stay in the military for different reasons. Stay in the military is the most important part. Um, and I think that's, you know, kind of important to acknowledge, but they do want to see improvement. They're not going to keep in people who aren't, you know, they become complacent with where they're at. Yeah. Who become complacent. There's so much bullshit that you have to do with it though. There's, there's so many forms you have to fill out. Oh my God. We, we had yearly reviews that we had to do and they were the stupidest da- goddamn thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> and anybody who was in the, if you were in the air force, if you're a listener, if you were in the air force, but from like 2010 to 2020, you're talking about EPRs. You know what I'm talking about? Like you had to deal, this is a yearly review. You had to do, I'd do one for a guy who was in for four months. How am I supposed to do a yearly review for somebody who was in for four months? And I had to do it. I had to come up yeah. with how this how this guy who was in the military for four months was like an amazing. Is it just because they they fall on a certain like time frame? Yeah, these are early reviews. Yeah, okay. It, it, okay, he was a bit longer than four months because I think it was like six months. But still, how yeah. am I supposed to do that? I've known this guy for like three weeks. <laughs> you know, it was a mess. But anyway, um, this this back to my story. This dude was in for eight years, didn't make sergeant. He needed to make sergeant. So I was at some point put in charge of him. By the way, he was new to the unit. He had been there for less than a year. He was moved five times during his career, which is very unusual. Typically at the time, you'd move once every four or five years to a new position. The reason he was moved so much is that nobody wanted him because hmm. he was that. He was just terrible. Always a good sign. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I remember I had to sit down with this guy. And teach him how to write a report. Like it was a very basic report. It's like, you know, this this computer's down and this is why it's down. And he would just write, computer's broken. And I remember I was walking him through it at one point and he leaned over to me and goes, listen, I know how to do it. I just don't want to do it. And I, my <laughs> mind was just. What you like to hear. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Was, yeah, it's exactly what you want to hear from somebody. I just don't want to do anything. Yeah. I don't want to do this. Yeah, it was uh, it, w- it was mind-boggling. And he ended up, um, he was like, okay, listen, I, I need to make sergeant. And he was getting out. He was being kicked out for lack of um, ability to move on three months before results came out. Mm-hmm. So he goes up the chain as far as he can. And he's like begging and begging to stay in. It goes up to our, our commander, our, our uh, lieutenant colonel at the time. And the lieutenant colonel uh, goes up to um, essentially the, sh- the shop supervisor. He's essentially in charge of like 20, 25 people. Mm-hmm. And 
Lieutenant Colonel goes, hey, we got this request for Airman so-and-so. Uh, he wants to stay in for an additional three months. I just need your approval on that. The guy looks at him dead in the eyes and goes, I'm not going to sign off on that. The colonel <laughs> looks at him and goes, you were just telling me yesterday that you are incredibly short of people. <laughs> sergeant, he's a master sergeant, looks at him dead in the eyes and goes, yeah, with this guy, we have less people. <laughs> And you just meet so many people that are just like that in some way, just incredibly, by the way, he ended up getting kicked out and then we got the results and he did not make sergeant, but hmm. yeah, I guess in the military, that's, that's the thing about it is you meet the people that you just have the craziest stories on. Um, do you think it's because like, like you were saying too, where like, they didn't know what to do with themselves, like get a job or go to school or whatever. And so they just signed up for the military just to see what happened yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, you have a lot of people who do that. Um, yeah. And I like to say that the military is life-changing. But I want to put a little caveat with that, is that you don't know in what way it'll change your life for better or for worse. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of people go in with that expectation that something big is going to happen. Um, it doesn't always happen for everybody. And sometimes that big thing is a bad thing. And, uh, you know, I think in this guy's case, he was a young guy when he signed up, and he didn't really know what to do with his life. And just proceeded to fail to the point that he didn't get kicked out. And I think you see a lot of that too, depending upon the situation. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that it'd be like I said, I knew like military would not work out for me. It'd be interesting to see like how I would do in such scenarios. I don't know. Military has an 80% dropout rate after the first enlistment. So 80% yeah. of people don't stay in, and there's a very specific reason for that, is that it's nobody likes the military. Everybody in the military will tell you that they hate it. That's a um, lie. There's some crazy fucking psychos out there that simply just want to kill people. No, that's the thing. You don't get to kill people. Well, <laughs> they want to, but they end up getting bored. Yeah. 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 There are people like, well, uh, do you ever see the movie uh, Restrepo? It's a yeah. documentary. It's a great movie. Really enjoyed that. But like that was one of the points they made in there where they're just kind of sitting around a lot of the times. And they're just like... Or a better example, I guess, would be... A, uh, what's the Jake Gyllenhaal movie? Jarhead. Jarhead. That's a great example. Like they, they're trained snipers and like they, they just never see combat. They're just stuck sitting around and they're just building up this expectation of like like performing performing well in the, in the line of duty. And then they get their big moment of spoiler alert. I don't know how many years ago. Maybe yeah, he doesn't get it's the like they get their gun. Yeah. They finally get their a target and then they get cut off at the last possible minute. And so it's like all this training, all the intensity of like, am I going to be able to handle it in the moment? Am I going to be able to be the soldier I'm meant to be? And they just don't get the opportunity to even know, to figure it out. And it's like all that pressure on them is just gone. But there's no, uh, you know, there's there's no answer for them. They don't get the finality of of what it is they were trying to do yeah and the other thing is that the military isn't made up of trained killers it's something like 80 to 85 percent of people that are just in support roles hmm. at least the modern military and you know most people i was deployed to a year to uh turkey and i was you know it sounds big and scary i was, I was 40 miles outside of syria you know, we would hear about it every day. And, you know, there was this happened and that happened. The reality of the situation is that I was living in a four bedroom house. I had a gardener um, 
and we had a movie theater and a pool. I didn't see any combat. That sounds pretty intense. Yeah, it it was it was <laughs> because you were stuck. You were confined to base. Mm-hmm. It was um, everybody was really having a hard time with it in a very yeah. different way because you were just waiting to see if something's going to happen. Not even that. You just yeah. wanted to go yeah. home. It was kind of like being in a prison, mm-hmm. like a really fancy just, prison. But you were also yeah. told constantly, like, you're so important. You're doing this you know, this is, this is why you're here. And uh, yeah. you're kind of looking around and going like, I, I fix emails. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> it's you, like, a, a go ahead. cognitive dissidence almost to it. Mm. And you're just kind of stuck there and there's nothing you can do and you can't leave and you, there's nothing to do. I was going to say, it reminds me of a band of brothers when they've seized the Eagle's nest and they're just hanging out in Austria and slowly, like, they're having to make up their minds of who they get to send home while the rest of them are just kind of hanging out. See, that's different. They've seen combat every day of their fucking lives. I, I get that. There's no, I get that. Yeah, yeah. People who it's actually different. haven't seen combat once are stuck yeah. there. It's People say it's yeah. a vacation, but it's like you're fucking bored out of your mind over there. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like I want you to imagine that I would take you and then slap you in the middle of like a French university and oh you can't leave the university campus for a year like that's that's yeah. that would be what it would be like it it would be kind of cool at first but it, mm-hmm. you know you're stuck in this little environment um yeah. everything looks great outside you know there was no no violence no war you'd hear fireworks um i mean it was a training base you know mm-hmm. you had a guy that came in and out who would like set, you could get anything from him and you just contacted him on Facebook. So I think it's a lot. Yeah. Kind of like what Kyle was saying is that, you know, you don't see combat. It's you're just average people who had one expectation of, you know, this was supposed to be a really, really cool thing to go, you know, stay there for a year and you get to travel and you just kind of stuck there. I it's guess like considered like you're going to get the experience working in like the field, so to speak. But in reality, it's just kind of well. It, it was your job. The base was Insterlich, and the Insterlich was if you can have your family with you. It's like a great base mm-hmm. to go and like see Europe and travel throughout Turkey because a you're making so much money, and the standard of living in Turkey is so much lower that right. it's realistic that you can have like a maid and a gardener, and you can live in this nice house, and you can go out and like have adventures but yeah. you ke- you can't do any of that when it's you, just you and you're confined to base yeah. kind of like covid yeah <laughs> yeah oh man yeah no that uh that's a very much more uh direct comparison i guess then yeah yeah it's kind of like covid where you're stuck in the same place um for you know months and months and you have very few things that you're doing um and you're just kind of slowly losing your mind. Nice. Interesting. So you're in the military. You you get out. Do you go straight back to school? Yep. 18, that your... 18 days after I got out of the military, I was in oh, classes. Wow. Yeah, cutting it close. Yeah. <laughs> so are you setting this up? I'm assuming you're setting this up then while you're still in the military. Yeah, in the military, you know what you're doing. Yep. You're like, I'm getting out. I'm going to school. Nice. Yeah. So you chose IT. Um, the cool nice. thing is that you get if you're in the military for any period of time 
you get mm-hmm. some portion of the post 9-11 GI Bill, which is just a really good system. It pays completely for your schooling, including fees. And then it also gives you a living stipend based upon the area that you're living in. So I was going to school and working part-time around Boston, you know, and that was great. My wife worked, um, but it wasn't any sort of like big stressful event. I would just go to classes. Yeah. Nice. So being in IT, I'm moving kind of quickly here. Yeah, no problem. Show's going very quick. We're already 44 minutes in. It's been a breeze. Uh, you're in IT, uh, moving into like current day now with all like NFTs, uh, cryptocurrencies and stuff. Do you have any, like, do you have your fingers in that at all? So or no, not your interest. I no. wish I had gotten into cryptocurrency 10 years ago because that would be the best time to do it. <laughs> Don't we all? Um, <laughs> my biggest problem with cryptocurrency is the lack of, um, a governing body. And I know that's the big mm-hmm. draw of it for a lot of people. Yeah. But what that means is that you're very vulnerable to pump and dump scams. You're mm-hmm. very vulnerable to when Elon Musk says, hey, I want to take and accept Bitcoin as a payment and then artificially drive up the price. And then yeah. two months later, say, nope, we're not taking it anymore. And then sell it all off for twice the amount. You're kind same of screwed. Dogecoin. Dogecoin. Did the exact same thing then too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's why I don't get into cryptos that much. Um, they're like a less safe stock option. Yeah. I'm, t- I'm going to talk yeah. about NFTs though. Let me, let me talk about, okay. how about my, my hate for NFTs? Sorry. Perfect. I, I, this is, we aligned perfectly on this already. Okay. This so, good. so I've always been a big fan of modern art and I'm going to get to the NFTs, but I, this is the setup yeah. and I've been thinking about this for weeks and I've just been waiting for somebody <laughs> to ask me. Excellent. So when you look at modern art, Um, I believe that there's an internal and external value. The external value is like, if you were to take away everything, what would it be worth? And like a golden crown would be worth a lot of money. That's the external value or that's the, that's the internal value. Excuse me. Because it's made of gold. Because it's made of gold. It's expensive. Even if you were to say, like take away any meaning to the, the Royal King, you know, crown of England, Mm -hmm. it's still worth something. You could still tell the extrinsic value. So that was the internal value. I kind of mixed those two up. Mm -hmm. The extrinsic value is the value assigned to it. Mm, so Because it was assigned to royalty. Yeah, because it was assigned to royalty. Okay. There's a lot of history behind it, so it increases the price. Mm. Modern art, in my opinion, revolves almost exclusively around that extrinsic value that people assign to it. Mm. Let me give you an example. About three or four years ago, there was an Italian artist who duct taped a banana to a wall. I know this example exactly. You know this yeah. example. He then sold five mm-hmm. of them for about $150,000. He wasn't selling the banana taped to the wall. I think that's something that people don't understand. What he was selling was a certificate denoting that it was this was his original work. Mm-hmm. That this was his work, specifically his intellectual property. There's nothing legally stopping you from recreating his work, taping a banana to a wall. But if, say, you're a museum... You can tape the banana to the wall, but you can't say this is the intellectual work of this artist. Yeah. That makes no sense on like the ground, but there, it's based on like some actual fact. I want you to imagine like a massive mural that was painted by a famous artist. Okay. I want you to imagine that it's like 300 feet long and 20 feet tall. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, how would they, if you were a museum or if you were, if you had this piece, if you had the rights to this piece, to display this piece. How would you move it from museum to museum? Would you like literally pick up 
that wall of concrete and move it? No, that's not what they do. They paint over the wall and then they repaint it at the new museum. There's nothing legally stopping me from, if I have the space, painting that mural on my mansion, you know, if I had a mansion. What is illegal is displaying that certificate. So that's kind of where that certificate is um, in, I guess, in context. It's sort of like how you can just get prints of the Mona Lisa and hang them up in your house. Yeah, how you can get prints of the Mona Lisa. It's not authentic, but it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, if you were to pass it off as authentic, that's different. Yeah. That's the same thing that NFTs are at right now. That's what an NFT is. An NFT is a banana taped to the wall. Um, that's the picture. And the NFT is the certificate. That's what you're buying. Mm-hmm. But people don't understand Which, that. I was going to say, that's the frustration I have with people is that it's always explained like you're the only one that can own that image, but that you're not buying the image. You're not buying the image. No. You're buying a certificate no. denoting that image. The My other big problem with it is the way that it kind of works financially. The idea is that this will appreciate in value over time. Mm-hmm. Well, there's going to be a point in time when either A, you're going to, the server hosting the um, the certificate is going to fail or it's going to break. Essentially, you're going to lose the certificate eventually. Mm-hmm. There's also the idea of when people stop getting involved in this. It's, it's a, it's a pump and dump. It's a bubble, yeah. you know, it's being artificially inflated to a value that it doesn't have. Um, and then the second that it hits a point that nobody wants to buy it, you're, you're done. There's mm-hmm. no governing bodies involved with this. It's just people buying and selling, you know, randomly generated tokens yeah. that mean nothing that have no value that, the the only the only extrinsic value i guess you could say is that there's no story behind it it's just like this will this will make money and then when somebody says no this isn't going to make money then it's not going to make money that's it mm-hmm. i feel like part of it too is you see it happen occasionally where people will have an nft and then they'll just make a second wallet sell it to them like let's say they buy it for $1000 they'll then sell it to themselves for $4,000 and be like, look, this sold for $4,000 already. Like it's gotta be worth at least that, if not more. And so they'll re they'll try and re, you know, revalue it for $5,000. When in actuality, it's like, you just have a, you know, it's just artificially increasing the value of it by selling it to themselves. But because it's all, you know, behind smoke and mirrors, essentially you can't tell how the, like who's buying and who's selling it. You don't know the actual value of this thing. Yeah, and I kind of... Again, a lot of people don't know what they're even purchasing, I feel like. Yeah, and I can kind of agree with you on that, but I, I think that that's more of a, one of the techniques that are used rather than the main idea is that kind of like... Actually, mm-hmm. yeah, kind of how you just said is that it's it's an artificial value. And, well, artificial values aren't bad amongst themselves. You know, you can put an artificial value on um, a piece of music. I mean, if you, if you write an audio book, and you put it out mm-hmm. there, you know, or sorry, not an audio book, a, um, a, 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 an ebook and you put it out there. How much is that ebook worth? You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of, this has this. Yeah. Kind of like you were, you were right. You were exactly right. I love everything you just said. <laughs> I lost, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> no, it happens to me all the time. It's okay. 
I, I just I feel like it's one of those other things where it's like nobody fully understands what it is they're doing. They just see it as like a sort of like a get rich quick sort of thing. And so like, oh, we got to get on the NFT train. Everyone's making money. It's like, well, not everybody can make money from this. Mm-hmm. They're ha- like somebody has to lose money on this. It's not how like this money doesn't just come out of thin air. Like, it's not how it works. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just, I don't know. And I think that kind of goes back to one of the reasons why I don't like cryptocurrencies is that they're, they're again, just used as a tool for investment rather than as a tool mm-hmm. for economic transfer, kind of like money. Yeah. They're not money. They are held so that way somebody can get more money, you know, and what they would consider to be a legitimate form of tender. You know, I can't yeah. buy something online for 20 Dogecoin. Yeah. There's just nowhere I can do that. Maybe back in the day, I could buy a pizza for 10,000 Bitcoin, and then Bitcoin was a legitimate form of tender, but now a Bitcoin's $10,000, you know. That's, that's my issue, too, is like, I can't see how it could ever be used as like an actual currency because the value fluctuates so often. Like people, I, I've heard, like it's not a thing I've heard actually happening, but I've heard people mention like, "Oh man, imagine like getting paid in Bitcoin." It's like there's no, I can't imagine a business thinking that would be a good idea. Like let's pay our employees in Bitcoin. If the price goes up, suddenly we're out a lot of extra money. Like if it goes down, it's like perfect. We're not paying our employees as much this year. This is great. Oh, I think that, like it fluctuates way too much to be a viable currency, at least for right now. Yeah, the fluctuation problem is a big one. And yeah. I think that's kind of what you'll see even in the real world when it comes to modern currency, because modern currency doesn't have anything backing it up. We don't have a gold standard anymore. Um, yeah. It's kind of just determined to be worth what it's worth. It's kind of made up kind of like Bitcoin because everybody mm-hmm. determines it to be valuable. I think the major difference is that there is enough backing economically culturally you know socially if i give somebody a dollar they recognize that as value yeah you know whereas yeah, bitcoin doesn't have that true yeah there's a difference now my example is gonna be like with bitcoin like i said it fluctuates a lot with the actual the intrinsic value of things going back to like your uh, explanation of like the the gold crown where the intrinsic value is it's made of gold and that's where the value comes from it was like even with like paper currency, if I give you a one dollar bill or a hundred dollar bill, theoretically they should both have the exact same value because it's the exact same thing. It just looks different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's I don't know. And I think it's the I same think that of, would kind of be but, getting into economics and yeah, kind of philosophy to a point. Fair enough. Which yeah. I'm fine with, but <laughs> I don't have any answers yeah. for you. And people have already answered this question who are way smarter than me. <laughs> Oh, I, I'm, I'd be out of my depth of field as well, for sure. But uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know. But the NFTs in particular, more so than the cryptocurrencies, uh, like the NFTs, I, it's one of those things where I feel like it's just popular. It's a popular thing to, to get into. And it's currently like the in sort of thing, uh, especially with like everyone being home from, from COVID. I feel like everyone had the time to look at like, what was it? GameStop, AMC. Uh, I, there was something else. I forget what else. Oh, was it was BlackBerry. Time. BlackBerry. I think Nvidia might have been up there as well at one point. Um, but like everyone sort of got into this like stay at home e trading sort of thing that was going on. Yeah, and, and I, uh, yeah, good. Oh, I was just gonna say. I remember following the the GameStop thing, and mm-hmm. I think when you get into stocks again, you have 
major financial backing. You kind of have a recognition or um, people recognizing that this is a legitimate form of transfer of, mm-hmm. you know, finance. And it, it also has a lot more checks and balances on it. I think a lot of the anger, especially when it came to like GameStop, was that there were illegal trades being done on GameStop and then small time traders took advantage of that. Yeah. You know, uh, rather than something else. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like too in a lot of these cases, you know, a lot of the, a lot of it was like sticking it to Wall Street sort of yeah. thing, you know. Where it's like I I feel like at the end of the day though, it's like a lot of these people do this for a living. They know like like especially with NFTs, like I feel like a lot of these big people have got to, at a certain point have just gotta be like, This is so easy to take advantage of people. Yeah. Like all we have to do it. Like the the ape, the bored ape uh, NFTs, those are just AI generated images that are they're all these people are buying up. Like those people have to be making so much money. Yeah. Uh, I I can't imagine. We should make an NFT, Kyle. This is our, shut up, our ticket. Shut up! Shut up! Let me rephrase that. I'm going to make an NFT. Kyle, you're only saying that because it's a good idea, and and you're really into exactly. it. Exactly. Don't. Uh, yeah. One hundred percent. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm one hundred percent behind you. Yeah, just yes. very, very, very fucking far away behind you. It's okay. You know, what? I'll I'll let you handle the logistics of it. I'll do the design. I will literally do nothing because I no. <laughs> yeah, it's just I don't know. I, I I just I have to assume that there's people out like people that are good on you know like uh, stock trading stuff like that switching over to NFTs thinking I'll just have you know just put some random images up there that are popular and try and make a quick buck off of it because people think they know what they're doing. You know, like, like at the end of the day, most of the people making a, like a lot of these purchases are not experienced with like, uh, crypt- like trading in general, I feel like. Yeah. And I was actually, I, for, this just popped in my head. Let me give you a, an example of like a, a bubble that had burst throughout history that have you ever heard of the Dutch tulip craze of the 1600s? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, for those of you who might be listening, essentially, um, tulips in the Netherlands in the 1650s just kept rising and rising and rising in price to the point that mm-hmm. it was cheaper to buy a painting of a tulip. And this is like one of those old fashioned, nice oil paintings than it was to buy a single tulip. A single tulip eventually rose to the price of a worker's wages for a year. Um, it was just insane. And then at a certain point in time, Everybody kind of said, well, we have all these tulips. Why are we selling them for so much? And then the price dropped dramatically. Like it was just an absolute Mm -hmm. crash and people lost fortunes because they were investing all their money into tulips. And I think that's kind of almost what we're seeing now with uh, NFTs and crypto is that a bunch of them are crashing because they don't have any, um, they don't have that kind of backing because they're not worth what people are saying that they are. What's like, uh, I was gonna say the, uh, I, I feel like a lot of cases, not a lot. Uh, let me take the back. I feel like in some cases too, it's very quickly comes out that it's a money-making scheme. I don't know if you saw, I think it was the phase like gaming people made an NFT. That was a scam. No, I, I didn't see that. They made, I forget. Was it called like save the kids or something? Uh, phase. Save the- kids crypto they made a cryptocurrency yeah save the kids okay i was right 
they made a cryptocurrency. It was called Save the Kids. And they were going to take the profits of that and donate it to like medical research for children. And they took the money and gave it to themselves is what is what it amounted to. But they used Save the Kids as like the selling point of the cryptocurrency. Yeah, I think once you get into those, uh, once you get into the YouTube realm of it, and mm-hmm. you know, I don't know a lot about Face Face Clan because I'm not there. I, I don't know. Either. I'm, I'm yeah. almost a 30 year old man. I don't think I'm their target demographic. Um, no, my my point was because <laughs> a lot of it's untraceable with cryptocurrencies and NFTs. I feel like it's so easy to get scammed because you give your money, like you spend your money on it. It's like okay, yeah, it's gone. I just have to hope that I get what I wanted for this. There's no way I can get this back. Well, I think that, yeah, it's it's able to be, it's easy to get scammed on it. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess I was kind of talking more about how uh, um, you'll have these different big profile individuals kind of scan their audience, whether it be NFTs or crypto or yeah. just regular money. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Again, a lot of this is way too advanced for what I, yeah. I can understand as far as like the technological side of how they work. So you have any other... Big old questions for me then. Uh, I was going to, yeah, we're a little over an hour here. Uh, I wanted to touch on this because I didn't want to miss out on the opportunity to plug this. Your your YouTube channel. Yes. You've uh, yeah, you've put out some, what, three videos now? I yeah, have, I'm uh, coming out with a fourth this week. Okay. Yeah, you had the uh, Rebecca Raccoon yep. video, the Space Force, and then a Mortal Kombat video. Yeah. Yes, nice. the uh, yeah. Rebecca Raccoon, I think, is the one that people like the most. It's about um, the time that the president of the United States got sent a raccoon to eat for Thanksgiving. And <laughs> then I kind of go into why somebody would send a raccoon to the president. Um, That's the first question I would ask. Yeah. So. so it was for Thanksgiving and it was a, it was a kind gesture. It was somebody from Mississippi, the middle of middle of nowhere, Mississippi. It's called Nittayuma is the place. <laughs> still an actual place in Mississippi and the president didn't eat it. And the newspapers made fun of him for not eating it. Uh, And it lived with the president for a couple of years, then went to the zoo because you used to put raccoons in the zoo. And uh, the reason that it was okay to send to the president is that people in the 1920s would eat raccoon. Um, it wasn't until much more recently, like the 70s and 80s, that people stopped regularly hunting raccoon. The mm-hmm. big reason for that is because people don't see raccoon as like a source of meat anymore. <laughs> yeah. um, and a lot of hunting has gone over to big game hunting from like trophy hunting or say mm. if you live in a big city and you can only go hunting once or twice a year, you're going to hunt a deer so that way you have meat for deer is especially deer. popular around where we live yeah same thing here yeah so that's kind of the, the big reason but you still do so, see some uh hunting of raccoon but it's mainly for fur mm, okay so, yeah, i don't know I, we mentioned i know we touched on this before kyle did you do you guys were your schools closed for hunting season no no. Just a lot of people would miss out. I like that you live in a smaller area than me, which is far more rural. And yet I have like all of like the uh like hunting and like military related things. It's interesting. <laughs> like we 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 had off uh, first the first week of hunting season we had off school. That's crazy. Where was this? Yeah. I, I'm in central PA. He's he's 
what two hours away roughly yeah i graduate yeah. 90 people oh really yeah we had um i think 113 roughly in our graduation class i know nowadays it's down to like 70 people per class but yeah we'd we'd get off uh get off the first week of hunting season i was like all right cool we had like i mentioned this before on the show i know too like the hunter and trapper safety education course that you would take to be able to go hunting uh that was part of our science grade in i think sixth grade like everyone in, the, in our grade we'd go to the auditorium we'd sit down and the guy would literally just give his spiel about like safety and everything like that and that was part of our grade was to take the test hmm. which is very strange looking back <laughs> but it was what it was we were in the middle of nowhere yeah well i can kind very, of uh, see that i think gun safety needs to be taught more to uh especially like in schools and sure that's just yeah, because you're gonna see a few guns in your life and you need to know what not to do with them yeah no it's, I mean, it's a fair enough point yeah it was just like i said like for me it was just like a weird experience to think backwards like like this is what you have to do like this is eth- like how you ethically like kill the animal and things like that and huh. how to legally like trap and whatever else i forget what all we went over it's been years but yeah it was I don't know. It just, it just seems strange to me. It's like, imagine like I growing up, I was used to like a lot of people in my family hunted. And so I was like more accustomed to it. Like, I can't imagine being like some random kid that is absolutely horrified by what they're having to like learn. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to learn how to gut a deer, but here I am part of my grade, you know, like, I don't know. Well, you kind of need it to, because you never know what's going to happen in this world. You might have to live off the land at one point. Okay. <laughs> true yeah yeah fair enough i guess yeah what's how, let me ask i'll ask both of you um what first of all have you gone hunting no but i'd like to i've gone fishing oh okay fishing okay kyle you've been hunting right Pretty i sure. went hunting once i got bored out of my mind because i have no fucking <laughs> patience i fell asleep and just was hanging out never shot okay at so you've only been hunting once all right i i was I've been hunting a handful, probably less than a dozen times. It wasn't my thing either. Uh, we did different kinds, though. We did uh, the two times I went out hunting for deer uh, with my grandfather. I was, both times I was out for less than 30 minutes. We went out. One time we were, we were just in like a, a floor-level stand where just like camouflage pulled up like two feet off the ground maybe, something like that, mm. and uh, saw a deer like within 30 minutes, and, and I hit it. I did that. I think that was the first time, maybe. I forget. I get, I get the order mixed up. It was back-to-back years I did this. And the, the the other time, we were in a tree stand, and I I got a deer from the tree stand. That was nice because it was super quick. Like I said, it was less than 30 minutes of being out there. The other times, we were literally like out on state game land, hiking through the woods, looking for deer, which was more interesting to me because we're actually like doing something in, in the process of like hiking around. Like We're actually active, and that was more entertaining to me. But nothing ever came of that. Like I, I couldn't imagine just sitting at a deer stand for like hours on end. I feel like I'd lose my mind. Yeah, I don't think I don't I, I, that's that's not my sort of thing. I I, I don't think <laughs> there's no way. <laughs> no, it, like he, my grandfather still hunts. He's what is it, eighty six? He'll be this year. He still goes out hunting every year. And he oh, oh, I've, since I've been a kid, since I've been around, he's always gotten a deer. Him and my uncle go out, and they've always gotten at least one or two deer every year. 
just pretty impressive that they're still able to to go out and do that at that age. But yeah, I don't know. I between that, like we always used to shoot groundhogs because they dig out under like the sheds and stuff. So it's like I've been around like hunting firearms and stuff like that my whole life. So it's, I guess it makes sense why we'd learn that in school, especially given the area. But yeah, I don't know how we got on this topic. I don't know what I I've just gone on the tangent now. But yeah, that's. It's a discussion about your YouTube channel, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Raccoons. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I yeah. that's that's what I find fascinating yeah. about it, though, is when you kind of go into it, you learn mm-hmm. why people hunted the way they did and why they still hunt the way they do. Yeah. And I think that's, that's for me, at least, a, a big part of the fun is mm-hmm. learning about why these things function and how they functioned and how they're going to continue to function in the future. Um, you know, I got to read, and this seems incredibly boring to most people, I'm sure, but I got to read a big wildlife and fishing report from USDA or the United Department of Wildlife. And oh, okay. it went down, it was like 150 pages, and it just went down all the details of like, this is the breakdown of all hunters who were issued license in like 2014. And this is them separated by all these different demographic pieces. And it was kind of interesting to see that a lot of the assumptions that you make about hunting are completely valid, at least about the kind of person who's involved in hunting. It was something like, excuse me, um, you're most likely to be a hunter if you're in rural areas. But the thing that really surprised me about it was that something like 75% of hunters come from large cities. Hmm. And that's was just pretty interesting to me because that's not something you'd normally suspect. Um, and I think it's just because there's, there's pretty much no culture of it there. Yeah. I'm trying to think of reasons why that could be maybe just maybe there's more people coming from like larger areas simply because there's more people there yeah, that's what that are trying to get is. out and actually do this. Because yeah. I think that once they got to something like a hundred thousand or something like a million or more people, if you were in a city of a million or more people, you only made up like 2% of all hunters or yeah. only, only 2% of people, man, I'm going to ruin this podcast by just changing what I say. Um, <laughs> oh, facts, facts are irrelevant on this show. Well, <laughs> I can cite this. I can cite this. I can put on my nerd oh, glasses. Okay. Okay. Only 2% of people living in populations of 100,000 or of a million or more hunted. Um, But it's something about 15% to 20% of all hunters come from populations of a million or more. Hmm. So there's your fun. It's basically just like a population numbers game sort of thing. I think it's just a big numbers game when you come down to it, um, where if the more rural you are, the more likely you are, but there's also less people in rural areas yeah. but uh um, yeah it is interesting seeing like demographics breakdowns yeah. for different things we do that where i work for advertising where it's like trying to hit target audiences and it's like all right this is how many people in this area own dogs own cats this is their like median income types of cars they drive like all sorts of stuff it's honestly kind of disturbing how much information you can get from just whatever yeah well people give up that information too so yeah. easily yeah you don't even you don't even realize it and what I've always found is it's always you always see these 
old sci-fi movies that are like they're gonna know everything about you and then they're gonna like track you down and do all this like crazy stuff and it's like no it's just like they won't have to do that you'll just give up all the information yourself you'll give up all your information and like amazon just wants to sell you more stereos or something like that it's (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's like a very even too like boring like a lot of the information yeah a lot of the information we get too is like like uh what was what the uh, thing called the Google Google rewards? Like they'll literally ask you like, have you stopped at these locations recently? And you put in like when you stopped there, what kind of uh, like if you use credit, debit card, like what you were searching for. And it's like they reward you with like 20 cents or whatever. You know, what? it's like people do that. I will. I've, I've done those a couple of times and I'm mm-hmm. sure I've thrown off your algorithm at least once because I just put in <laughs> random answers. Fair enough. Yeah, you just get that money. Yeah. Get that 20 cents to the next payout. It's like stuff like that. Like even going to like grocery stores, like getting the rewards cards, you scan that before your purchase. They see the items you buy, you know, they know, okay, this is what we're going to order more of. This is like what we're going to raise the price on because people need these. And it's like that, all, all that information, they resell that to outside, you know, dealers, all that information gets put together and then we get it. And it's like, all right, these people from this area buy dog food. So these, this number of people we can roughly guess have dogs. This is their rough income based on how much they spend per purchase, stuff like that. It's kind of, it's kind of terrifying, but people don't care. Like, it's weird. Like if you were to tell, like ask somebody, Hey, can I have all this information about you? They'd say no, but like they're they'll happily give it up. If you don't ask like, Hey, would you like a rewards card? Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's like, it's all about, it's like the framing of it is, is how they decide to do it, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, big psychology push is that everything changes depending upon the way you ask and how you do yeah. it and where you're at too. Yeah. Yeah, it's I don't know, it's kind of creepy to an extent. And then we just they like I said, in advertising special, it's like let's just abuse this to no end. It's like pumping ads in as much as possible to the these specific people, like zip codes, like putting a geofencing around people's like not individuals, but like certain like blocks of housing. It's like, these are the people most likely to come like use your credit union. We'll put uh, a geofence around them and we'll target them with ads for your business. It's like, all right, I live here. So now I'm getting ads. That's crazy. Because I happen to live here. Yeah. Yeah, It's terrifying. (laughs) I think it'd be a lot more terrifying if it wasn't like ads for credit unions. (laughs) I mean, it's just so banal in my opinion. It's, it's yeah, just, it's it's not like the products themselves are like insidious. It's just like the means of getting it. Yeah, and like yeah. When you sit down and think about it, it's just like every bit of information about you is just widely available. All you have to do is like look for it. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's like like I said, a lot of times it's not even that you're you are so to speak willingly giving it up, but not because you think it's going to be intended to be used to like target with advertisements. It's just like. Yes, yeah, just I, I go to the store and I buy these products or like a, a good example would be like the Amazon Echo devices, right? Like if I'm sitting there, if you sit at home and you sit there and you talk, like if I'm talking to my girlfriend before we got our dog, like if we just sit there and have conversation after conversation about getting a dog, all of a sudden my Amazon feed is going to be like dog food, mm-hmm. uh, like leashes, you know, bowls and whatever, like dog, to- like whatever you can imagine you'd need for a dog. It just starts appearing because they take your conversations 
and rework it into your advertising. And you see, that's and why like, I shop so far outside my demographic that they don't know what to do with it. I just shop like a nine-year-old shop Mexican for woman. women's lingerie. Well, <laughs> let's not get too far out there. You're like uh, Will Ferrell and Elf, right? Will just for that special someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's I don't know, it's it's crazy. Mm. It's it's odd, but yeah, I don't know. Things are we've always been in crazy times, I I think, and we're just I guess living through them right now instead of having to learn it's about the way them. it's presented. Yeah, the yeah. way it's presented is different. The ease to access information, whether true or false, is so much easier. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the that's a really interesting thing about the rise of the internet is that you have yeah. all this information at your fingertips, and yeah. The kind of cool thing about it is that like what I'm doing right now with my YouTube channel wouldn't be possible because I'm, tr I'm trying to hunt down like legitimate sources. I'm trying to, mm -hmm. you know, I go to the library of Congress has a big collection of newspapers that I'll go through, or I'll go onto Google scholar or I'll use, um, what's, what's the product I use? It's this online tool that allows you to uh essentially it pirates um <laughs> essentially it, it's you a, mean it, it legally collects yeah sci hub it, it, it pirates academic resources that mm. you you that are hidden behind a paywall you know and this sort of thing wouldn't be available even 20 years ago i'd have to yeah. be going down to uh the local library which i still do and actually try to find an academic source and if they didn't have it i'd have to order it and then i'd have to wait for it and then i couldn't even come up with a youtube video i'd just be some weird guy in my basement recording myself talking about why raccoons used to be eaten or <laughs> you know the history of it, mortal Kombat. local libraries are a great resource for like really old texts yes. like i know in ours in particular like going back I, there's no way i could have gotten this information online it's like from the early early 1800s even i think some of them go back before this but it's like old text of like addresses and names it's like essentially a phone book and stuff in in some ways but it's like all the information on like people in the area and stuff like that i, I don't remember why i was looking at it was it census records sort of yeah they it, it was a it was a number of books it wasn't just one in particular i was looking at they but like they have a whole section of it uh, at the the one library in the next town over and i was like this is fascinating it's like not super useful to me currently, but it was it was really interesting to see because, like I said, they're just super super old books. They have behind like the glass like locked cabinet doors and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's, I was like, there's no way I could find most of this information online because it's so old and it's so like, I don't know. It's it's not something people are going to be looking for. Well, generally, here's the crazy part: is that if you know how to kind of look for it and if you know where to look for it, you can find mm -hmm. a lot of old old texts. Um, yeah. that have been scanned online we do use some of that for work actually old like newspapers and things like that in particular you can go through and you can find you just search like i could it was kind of weird like i searched my name my last name uh and like it pulled up like a lot of like my family records like just for whenever they were in the paper for whatever reason uh as well as like other people that just happen to have the same last name as me oh, really? i was like i don't know if i'm related to that person or not but it's kind of interesting you know it's I don't know. It's interesting. What's the? Uh, I don't know if it's ancestry. Ancestry does. It's that one of those. Point. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Then I knew it was like one of those sites. Yeah. Ancestry is uh, all about building that up. 
Yeah. I feel like some of those too, like they don't have the information unless you put it up yourself, which is frustrating. We tried to do it for my, my girlfriend's mom and like they had like no information on anyone in her family. Yeah. Like they, and it was kind of upsetting. It's the weird. And I, I don't want to get too much into like genealogy cause I don't have much experience with that, mm-hmm. but you will just have to go through an insane level of trying to find just obscure information and references online yeah it's uh, it's crazy how much information is out there if you can if you can find it if you can find side it. note ancestry.com number one dating site in alabama oh really <laughs> i thought it was facebook that's that is a that is a joke i stole from espn of all places <laughs> <laughs> there was a they were at i don't know if it was like alabama georgia like college game there's a kid with a sign. I, I don't know why. I, I found it so funny. Like the kid in the sign is holding it up in the background. It was like, number one dating site in Tuscaloosa, Ancestry.com. And they just kept showing the guy. I was like, that's that's a great joke. You know, it was it was interesting. I was I don't listen to ESPN, but I was at the gym the other day and mm-hmm. they had it up playing there. And one of the guys was just going on about uh, uh, one of the football players and about how the NFL isn't going to do anything because the NFL is a corporation. And he just started going off. And I'm like, wow, this is the wokest sports news I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it was very anti-corporation. It was very interesting. It's I I don't watch ESPN either. I I just saw the clip of this on like Reddit or something. Oh, okay. I don't know. But uh, it is weird. Like I I don't like I said I don't watch ESPN, but like it pops up in my feed occasionally. Like if something happens not specifically related to sports, for example, like the one woman got like fired from ESPN because she was talking something about like. I, I, again, I, the details are fuzzy, so I'm not presenting this as though it's facts, but like she got fired for like some, some, something related, like to black lives matter or something like that. And I was like, Oh, interesting. Like, I don't know what that has to do with ESPN. Like what is, you know, like Tom Brady's not out there talking about black lives matter or whatever. It's like, I thought this was just a place for sports. Hmm. Like it, it's weird. Like, I feel like they're hit or miss on like whether or not they want to talk about issues, not directly related to what goes on on the field. But I don't follow it enough to really speak on it. Yeah. Don't know. Anyway, I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to add. We're almost at an hour and a half here. I don't oh. want to keep you too long. Oh, no, you're fine. Um, no, I don't really think I had too much else. I, uh, you know, like I said, I'm the pop historian. I'm the one without the Red Dead Redemption gameplay clips. I, I saw that when I looked your, your channel up. I was like, I'm going to assume it's the one that has the, the popcorn <laughs> thing on it. <laughs> I was like, this is interesting. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that until after I had already like created everything and gotten everything set up. You have more subscribers anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. I got more subscribers. He has a video about ESPN too. Um, it, it is, wow. He's specifically Red Dead Redemption. I didn't realize this. I, I'm just going through there. I looked this guy up. Okay. Because <laughs> I was angry at him for stealing my idea before I had it. And... <laughs> He has it's like, all Red Dead Redemption except for one NBA clip. I'm not kidding. It's all Red Dead Redemption. That's I looked him yeah. up. He's on Facebook. He has an Instagram. Okay. He has uh, I think one or two other things. Like he has a place that you can technically buy merchandise with his logo on it. A grief. Like no, he has this thing set up, and and every single one of them, it's like yeah, I'm going to be coming out with history stuff. Nothing history. It's all video games. It's all either Red Dead Redemption. Or One Piece or Bleach. Yeah, this is this is none of this has to do with anything with pop culture or history. It's just Red Dead Redemption, 
and that one NBA clip for whatever reason. Yes. Uh, yeah, but he even mentions like pop culture and history. It's in-depth videos on those. Yeah, not the case. I, I think it was probably somebody had an idea, and then yeah, it kind of it kind of changed pretty quick. Yeah, well, you know what? He hasn't uploaded in eight months, so I'm going to call that a dead channel. You know what? He's going to upload tomorrow just because you said that. I'm going to get in. I'm going to tell you what. Whenever this is releasing, I am going to get. It's going to be like a. He's going to release like a three hour, really deep dive into like everything history related. It's going to. No. <laughs> I was going to be say, like, I'm gonna let me it. tell you about raccoons <laughs> getting sent to presidents. And you're going to be like, oh my God. He's going to cite his sources. Yeah. His, his lone source is going to be your video. Oh my God. It's just him rehashing everything you said. <laughs> For three hours. That's what it is. For three hours. Like, I don't know where he's getting all this extra content from. It's it's going to be like a, one of those um, review YouTubers or the, the commentary YouTubers. Where oh, he's, then, he's then going to yeah. go into depth about how my uh, <laughs> yeah. my lack of an Instagram. So anyway, when he talks about, it's like him watching you react to something. And it's like, so his reaction here tells me one of eight things. Let me go down the list of what those could be. It's like, oh, geez. That's what it's going to be. It's also yeah. going to be, he's going to include something about Sigma males in there. Let me tell you. I'm calling it now. I'll bet you 50 bucks. Uh, yeah, man. But yeah, no, it's uh, the pop historian on YouTube. The one with the, the popcorn. It's the, the one with the, the three videos and no Red Dead Redemption. Yes. The one with more subscribers. That's the key point. There you go. The one that's uploaded recently, which would be nice. <laughs> yeah, I don't know when your new video is coming out. This episode will will come out on uh, what is it, the second of February? Oh yeah, so uh, mine's coming out actually at the same time. So let me give you, let me give me give me two more minutes. Give me two more minutes. I'm tell you about this latest one. So it's about oh, sounds good. Buddy yeah. Holly. Have you ever heard of Buddy Holly? Buddy Holly. Okay. Yeah. All right. So for those of you who don't know, Buddy Holly was a rocker during the '50s. He was one of the kings mm-hmm. of rock and roll at the time. Opened up for it's Elvis. Got the glasses, the yes, glasses. got the big black glasses. Yeah. So this has been in the works for about a year now at this point, because um, it took me about eight months to come out with the friggin' raccoon one, and yeah, that was a pretty big learning experience. Anyway, it's about uh, kind of his death because the anniversary of death is on the second, and then kind of the effect that that had both on the music industry because before the nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties, and especially before Buddy Holly. Advertising towards teenagers wasn't a thing. And then the other big thing is that there's a big myth that Buddy Holly, his death prompted a change in the way that uh, families are notified. Um, so that way they don't hear about it on the news. And that's just not true. And I kind of mm-hmm. go into uh, what some of the processes are that you'll see that are pretty popular. And then um, talk about some of the more recent attempts to kind of uh, standardize that. He's the one where when he died, they said that was the day the music died. Is that the one? That was the day the music died. Um, Okay, yeah. And then I also will be including some short video. I actually managed to go to the surf ballroom, the last place that he played. Um, Interesting. And then I went to the site of the crash. I didn't actually go to the like the physical site. Well, actually, yeah, I did go to the mm-hmm. physical site. I just uh, wasn't recording. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I go to the memorial. Essentially, is what you see. Interesting. Yeah. Well, be on the lookout for that. It'll be out. Well, if you're listening to this, it's out. It's already out. <laughs> it's it's already out. Um, so go check it out. Yeah. yeah. Anything else you want to plug here at the end? You know, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on. This has been a great time. Um, I'd love to do this again with you in the future. Yeah. And uh, yes. yeah. Yeah. Get you back on after you we get some more of your videos up. We can talk more about 
the the topics you'll cover in your your other videos too. Definitely. We got the we got your life story on this episode. Ooh. Next time we'll focus content, content, content. There you go. Fun. Awesome. I appreciate. It. Thank you so much for coming on. I had a blast. Hey, no problem. Chat. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. It's been a great time. Episode 107 of Deadjust Productions podcast. Check out deadjustproductions.live. Links are on that. Kyle, you have your hand raised. What can I help you? With? <laughs> no, no I, I'm just. All right, I just Kyle. Kyle has nothing to add here. All right. Yeah. Uh, anyway, all those links are uh, on deadjustproductions.live. You can check out all of our stuff there, our merch. Uh, YouTube channel, everything like that. Now, I want to thank everyone that actually checked out our uh, the most recent gameplay uploaded for uh, Re- um, I almost said Resident Evil. Have not played Resident Evil. Uh, what was, Kyle, what am I talking about? Rainbow Six Extraction. That's what I was thinking of. This got some good views, so I appreciate everyone that watched those. So thank you. Uh, thank you again for coming on the show, man. Really appreciate it. Not a problem. Uh, Thanks for having everyone. me. I'll see everyone next week. Thank you for listening. Have a good one. Bye.